Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. You see, as I stood uh, almost this time last year on the shores of the Sea of Galilee at the town of Capernaum, which was Jesus' hometown, you can read it in the scriptures, and I looked out and I saw the ridgelines, I realised that uh, the ridgelines I was looking at was the same shape and the same ridgelines that he would have looked at. There's nothing like standing in the Holy Land and trying to not argue the historical fact of Jesus Christ as a person who lived and walked on the face of this earth. What came out of that then for me was, man, what would it take if I were him standing on the shores of Galilee, this backwater town, and it still is today, backwater resort town in Israel, how the heck could I come up with an idea or a message that would sweep through the countryside, not only of Israel like a wildfire, but through the entire world? Have you ever thought of that? What, what idea not only spans... 2,000 years, but also spans every culture on the globe and it still manages to be impacting. How did he do that? Now, what I realised in that moment is I was thinking of Christianity the wrong way. I, I think of Christianity probably the way most modern people think of Christianity and that is this, oh, it's, it's a nice philosophy. Uh, a modern person might look at the baptisms. Maybe you look at the baptisms today and, and you're thinking, well, uh, that worked for them. I wonder if it could work for me. Now, if you think of Christianity in that way, you're thinking of it totally in the wrong direction because Christianity refuses to be reduced down into a philosophy. It is always reduced down to a fact, a truth, something that people witnessed. He was alive, we saw him crucified, and holy moly, he's alive again. It's a fact. It's a fact that uh, the Apostle Paul or Saint Paul or Saul before he became Paul in his conversion, excuse the bluntness of this, but it's a Bible. I'm just the male boy. I'm delivering it to you. He says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 32, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, if the resurrection is not true, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I love the bluntness of what he says. It comes down to this fact for all of us this morning if we're listening to this. Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, yes or no? That's what happens with witnesses. If you've got a witness and a witness sees that a, a dam has burst out in the countryside and it's coming down towards it, the town of all their family and friends, they run down to the town, they scream out, the dam wall has burst, run! Now when you hear that message... You don't go, well, that's a, that's a nice philosophy. Uh, something that I'm, I might take that upon consideration. No, you, you either run or you don't run. And in that case, it's a matter of life and death. In this case, it's a matter of life and death. Is the resurrection true? Now, uh, some of the paths that preachers will take today right around the world is some might aim their message at the modern mindset and argue the historical truth of Christianity. We could do that. We could get through it in about an hour. I won't do that to you. I think, more importantly, my non-Christian friends and the average Sydney side of them, they're not as, as concerned with the science as to whether it's true, but they're more concerned with, why is it relevant to me? So what, Christians? Why is it relevant to me? I guess the answer to that, let me, let me use the philosophy of, or the case study of a, of a non-Christian philosopher, Albert Camus. I practice that. French guy. <laughs> Camus is a non-Christian philosopher and, and he uses a case study. He says, think about most, right now, you can do the case study with us, think about most what makes you happy. 
think about it. Some people, it might be going to the theatre. For others, playing sport or football. For others, watching television. He says, think about what makes you happy. Now, imagine that I tell you that I've got a gun here and I'm going to shoot you in half an hour. Go and do whatever makes you happy. Question class, are you going to be happy? No. And Camus asks, he says, here's the whole point. All of life, death is like having a gun held to your head. The great problem, he says, for the human condition is we all live under the dark shadow of death. If we reduce this today as to what all life comes down to, the key question for any person is what happens when we die? And can you see why now the bluntness of Paul is not that irrelevant? 2,000 years ago, because it's a perfectly logical response. He says, if there is no resurrection, get out the back doors of the auditorium and party. (laughs) Someone's having a cheat day today because they're not going to the gym. Paul just says, cheat every day, it doesn't matter. (laughs) So it's entirely relevant. You see, what is a Christian? A Christian is someone who's had that truth daybreak into their lives the way that the sun comes over the horizon. In other words, to, before you're a Christian, there's a sense of it. We talked about the dawn. You feel it. You sense it. That's the stories in the testimonies we've heard today. We sense that. And then daybreak. The truth hits you and it illuminates you. The question is, how does the Christian truth of the resurrection illuminate you? Here's the first thing it does. It, it, gives, you, it, it, it gives you a truth beyond your feelings. A truth beyond your feelings. I don't know if you ever did this at school, if you've ever had this moment, or maybe you're a parent who's had this moment. The moment where it's time to go to school and you or your son or your daughter says, I don't want to go to school, mum. And what do the parents say? Well, you have to go to school. Why? Well, because it's good for you. And off they go to school. Now, um, that comes from the general principle we understand that education is good for you and it's a good thing and you submit yourself to that truth because it helps you. Here's the question, when do we ever get to the point in which somehow truth is appropriate for all kids under the age of 15, but when we get to the age of 18 and above and we become modern people, oh no, truth's relative, oh it doesn't matter. We say like Pontius Pilate says to Jesus in the musical Jesus Christ Superstar, what is truth? Unchanging laws? Are my truths the same as yours? So somehow we live by them, we understand the principles where to submit ourselves to truth is a good thing for us, but when it comes to the things of Christianity and the truth of the resurrection, oh, look, it's relevant, it's, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure, I, maybe, maybe that'll work for you. But friend, you can't, you can't do that, you can't say, oh, if it just works for you, because um, Christianity's not true because it works for you. Christianity works because it's true. There are millions of people all throughout history who have died at the stake, died at the gun, died underwater because they refused to recant the truth of what we talk about this morning. And if Christianity was about your feelings, well then, why would they have gone through all of that pain at that point in time? You see, you need to, there can be no hope, there can be no resilience, there can be no resolve in your life if you don't have a truth beyond your feelings, right? Do you, would you like that? Would you like a poise and a resolve in life that is as unshakable as those that have been before you? You need need the truth of it. But here's the other thing it does. It gives you a horizon beyond your circumstances. I share with Northsiders all the time, right? Two people 
both told that they're going to make widgets. 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the next year. One person over here is told at the end of it that they're going to get $1 for all of their hard labour in a dark, dingy room. At the end, end of the year, this person over here is told that we are going to, that person's going to get a million dollars at the end of all of their hard labour. Question, class, who whistles while they work? <laughs> Why is that? It's because we are irreducibly hope-based creatures. That is, our present behaviours are affected by our believed-in futures. What is dangerous is that Ernest Becker, in his book in 1974, The Denial of Death, that won a Pulitzer Prize, he said, Never has there been a society in all history where the vast majority of society believes that when we die, we rot. Where do you get your hope from? If that is the case, if you dare, if we push you hard enough to look at the reality of, of the implications of that, where do you get it from? Science? I love science. But science can only ever tell us what has been and what is. Science cannot tell us what ought to be. What ought to be? What ought to be? There is a new life for you. What ought to be? That the gospel of Jesus Christ, if there has been a bodily resurrection of Jesus, it says there is a God and he has punched a hole in the side of the universe and he has revealed himself to us and he has lived and he has died and he has conquered death. And now that means that finally anyone who believes and rests in that truth finally has a hope that will transcend all circumstances. Do you have a beyond beyond what you're facing this morning? All of these different things, the truth of the resurrection says, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, yes or no? And to use the strategy of Camus, friends, I don't want to twist your arm behind your back here. I just want to hold up a mirror to say that many of us get caught so caught up in our busy lives that we refuse to look at the harsh reality of the truth that we face. The resurrection of Jesus Christ says that there is a choice and there is infinite resource to have hope. As I finished this morning, it's like the difference between the two types of Easter egg hunts that I would do this time of year in my family's. I don't know if you did it the same way, but I had two different types. The first type was with my cousins. The way they would hunt for Easter eggs, it was every kid for themselves. And so you can imagine what happened in the backyard with that. Like there was elbows, there was scratching of eyes, there was barging out. It was always the bigger cousins, the larger cousins, that somehow had to get all the eggs. And that was the deal. And you'd you'd always have the little kids. It, It always ended in tears. That's not fair, it's not fair. Well, that's how it was done. Anyway, my family, the immediate family, we were far more civilised than Haddon's. <laughs> we did Easter eggs hunt like this. We got told the rules. Now, kids, go out, find all the eggs that you want, find as many as you want, but at the end of it, all the eggs are coming back into the basket and we're going to share in the end. It's all coming back and we're going to share. And so can you imagine what the Haddon family Easter egg hunts were like? It was like, a, it was like a picture of heaven itself. Got a bunch of five and seven-year-olds running up to a nice big Easter egg saying, no, after you, no, after you, after you, you. All the unfairness, all the injustice, all the pain. If he's come back in bodily form, spoiler alert, if you haven't read this book, he beats death. Spoiler alert, Revelation 21, there will be no more tears, there will be no more pain, there will be no more crying. We win! 
And a Christian understanding that it's all coming back to you can stare the pains and the injustices in your life and say, after you, after you, after you. That's why the resurrection is relevant. Jesus raised from the dead, yes or no? Pretty simple for us this morning. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.